0: Rebecca Love with Outcomes Rocket Nursing, and it's such a pleasure to be here with you today. As you know, we are bringing incredible nurse leaders from around the world and the United States to join us. And in my first guest, I'm so excited to have Dr. Chris Prasinos on as our guest. If you don't know Chris, it's somebody you definitely want to follow because Chris is a nurse executive, entrepreneur, innovator, speaker, and author, and is the CEO and founder of Nurse Leader Network and Takedus, an educational platform for nurses. She's also the creator of a mental health app for teens called Hello Harmony, and her former roles include the chief nurse executive for Kaiser Permanente South Bay Medical Center, deputy nurse executive for the Veterans Administration, and a variety of academic nurse practitioner and registered nurse roles. In her spare time, she can be found advocating for suicide prevention policies. Chris, thank you so much for being here today. Rebecca, I am so thrilled to be on the show with you. This is going to be amazing. Well, you know what, Chris, I know you know that I, I feel this way about you, but I've heard you speak. I've watched you in the last, I mean, and honestly, we've only known each other a short period of time, but what I've witnessed of you and your power to basically transform and inspire those around you. I'm just so honored that you're here today. And I think that one of the places that we should start is, you know, you've had a very interesting and dynamic background in ways that I personally have not witnessed before. And I, what inspires you and your work today? So There's a variety
1: of things. I I share my story around kind of what inspired me to actually go into healthcare. And it was nurse. I grew up in foster care here in Los Angeles, and I ended up becoming a teen mom at 14 years old. And at that time in the nineties, they kind of just dropped you off at the hospital. The hot, you know, your foster care dropped you off the hospital. And they were like, sayonara, give me a call when you need to be picked up. And, you know, at the time I still was like playing Barbie dolls, like didn't even know like God for, I don't know who would trust me with a child at that age, but had my baby. And my nurse really was the one that helped me with everything. She taught me how to give that baby a bath, how to feed the baby, how to burp the baby, how to know what was normal and not normal. And I realized really early on in my career that I wanted to help others in that way. And so when I look at defining my why and what inspires me in healthcare really is to help others be their best in whatever form that is. And so, you know, it doesn't matter who it is, but I really live by the model of I like to give more than I receive, and it, my job really is to highlight others and let them be able to see the best that I can see in them, so that they could go out and revolutionize healthcare.
0: You know, Chris, I think that, I mean, we hear of stories that nurses became nurses because their mother was a nurse or their grandmother was a nurse or somebody in their family. And I think your entry into nursing with the exposure at 14, going in and being a, a young mother, a teenage mother in that time, and it was a nurse that basically translated those stepping stones into motherhood is a really interesting place because it comes from a different place. And in your career, you know, as you've been looking back at those defining moments of, of who you've become, because you have definitely gone in a trajectory from not just staying as a nurse in that, what we call a traditional role, but can you talk a little bit about what defined and motivated you as you sort of went through this process? Yeah.
1: I mean, so to kind of go back to that nurse from when I was 14 years old, I you know, I really saw with her, she, she would always kind of remind me, like, you don't want to lose custody of your daughter. Like that was all of us were, she worked in a group home. There was about a hundred ladies, about half of us had babies. And she just kind of reminded us like, this is what you need to do to make sure you retain custody of your child. And, you know, I always kind of, I think that was what like planted the seed of, okay, I have to, you know, continue to strive. I have to make sure I have an income. I have to make sure. And what I realized by not receiving, I think, love from a parent early was that if I pleased teachers, if I please, you know, workplaces, I was working at McDonald's at 15 years, but I pleased, these, I got further and further along, which made me more capable to take care of my child. And so I think those were some of like, what kind of built into me, you know, the, the seed that kind of grew around constant perseverance, constantly kind of, you know, showing people, I'm not going to end up homeless. I'm not going to end up on the streets with, you know, using drugs and, as I moved forward in my career, just to kind of close the loop on that nurse, you know, she never realized what she did for me. She had zero clue other, you know, I'm sure she touched other foster kids and they had, she had just no clue. And fast forward, I'm a nurse executive at Kaiser. I am giving this award to this amazing unit that has done wonderful things with patient care. And I see this nurse and I look and I'm like, Oh, we work together in emergency room together. Like, I know her, which emergency room was it? Or, you know, and I'm sitting there looking and she knew me too. She was looking at me and she's scratching her head and we're sitting there trying to figure it out. And then, you know, her eyes start watering and then my eyes start watering. Cause I'm like, oh my God, that's my nurse. That is my nurse. That's my foster care nurse. And, you know, she, we both like lost it. We were crying. Everybody thought we were crazy. They're looking at us like, why are these two people crying? And why is she, why is this nurse executive who's brand new to the organization going and like hugging a random staff? And, you know, it was just a really cool story because she was able to see what she planted and how that, you know, came about. And I think that was another seed, which she probably doesn't know to this day that she planted around constantly giving to others because you just have zero clue what the work that you're doing today is going to, how it's going to impact in 10, 20, 30 years from now. And it really kind of started my journey into entrepreneurship and doing things that were outside of the hospital because I felt like. Hey, I can impact, you know, hundred or 200, 300, 400 people here in my organization. But if I step outside of it, we're now talking thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people that I can help become their best. And so, I mean, I really got to kind of pay it back to this nurse because she's still to this day is part of the reason that I'm, you know, have moved on from position to where
0: I'm at now. Yeah, because I mean, I think it's just such an incredible story. And I think as nurses, we inherently always know that we've always had that one-on-one connection. And those moments in time that as a nurse, we're standing on the other side of that threshold. And we cross that bedroom, you know, into that bedroom of a patient. And you realize that their lives are usually in a place of such chaos or strangeness or new experience, because nobody comes very rarely into a hospital setting at their best, right? It's not always those moments. There's always a transition of something going on. And we constantly, touch those individuals at that moment. And I think we often forget as that nurse, what that experience meant to that person in the bed and that lasting impact. And yours just shows that incredible power and how it came back, you know, years later after you had done everything and kept going in your career to being that executive to give them a word. I just think that's just such an incredibly powerful direction to give hope that even those moments in time that, you know, are fleeting, um, they are just so powerful to what the impact they can do. And I think that's the power of nursing. in in just so many ways. And, you know, when you're talking, you transitioned and you said, you know, I, I could do a lot in my organization. What exactly did you do in your organization that you saw, you know what, it's time for me to take it beyond the organization. It's time for me to go out on my own because that's a, that's a big jump that not a lot of nurses do. And I think that, you know, what did you see in those organizations that said it's time to move forward?
1: So I have to admit, and I know you can relate. I am a serial job hopper. I just am. And it's not a bad thing. I think a lot of people, you know, see that and they're like, well, it's, you know, you're moving every two, three years. Why can't you be stable? And it really is because I am the see one, do one, teach one, move on one model. That's just kind of how I work. And I think my, every organization that I've worked for has benefited because I've done that. I've been able to learn amazing things, set amazing things, you know, into this structure. And then, you know, it's time for me to go to the next organization to go help them. And so, you know, number one, I kind of found this in myself and I was actually, I remember vividly, I was on a drive. I I used to have a almost three hour commute. It was like two hours. If there was rain, it was three hours. So it was this crazy commute. And I would listen to a podcast for an hour. And then I'd call my best friend for an hour and he and I would talk on his drive. And one day we were talking and he's like, Chris, like we were talking about a new position, right? I was like, oh, you know, I'm the, I was in my role and I was like, oh, well, somebody's reached out There's this position. and he goes, are you ever to ever be happy? Like, are you ever gonna be happy in your job? Like, he's like, I, and he's the kind of guy that, you know, he's been with his organization for almost 20 years. He will never leave. He will retire there. He loves it there. And, you know, he's just like, why can't you be happy? Like, it's never enough. So I started reflecting. And I'm like, wow, am I greedy or what is going on? Why is it never enough for me? And I realized it's because I'm not a good employee. And when I say that, it I don't mean that I'm don't clock in, that I, you know, that I don't do my job. I I am a tremendous change maker. But when I say I'm not a good employee, I have a massive vision. And my vision outgrew the organizations that I've worked for because of the role that I was in. So, you know, even though you're a chief nurse executive, like I had dreams beyond that role. And it would have taken me 20, 30 years to follow, you know, climb up the ladder in that organization to be able to live out the vision that I had for what I saw and what I needed. And so, you know, it really was that conversation. And I realized I'm not a good employee. I'm a serial job hopper. I'm looking for more. And why not? Like, I literally have gone from being a foster kid at 14 years old to like a doctorate prepared nurse and, you know, in a, a chief executive role in my thirties, like, why not? There is so much more out there. And I kind of had this feeling like I wanted to do it, but I wasn't exactly sure what happened. But then my daughter passed away. And so I lost my daughter in 2017 to suicide. And as I was preparing my daughter, the speech for her service, I was reflecting on her life. And I realized I didn't have memories of her life. I didn't have the memories of the PT meetings, didn't have the memories of her taking her to the doctor. I didn't take her to go get her driver's license. I didn't go to her soccer games. Like my husband literally had all of those memories because again, you know, and sometimes you have to really check yourself because we all have gold star addictions where we want to get those gold stars and climb and climb, but at what sacrifice? And for me, I didn't realize what I had sacrificed. I kept climbing and going to school and doing the best at my job and staying over time and volunteering for things and it was at the detriment to my family. And so I realized at that point like, okay, I want to do more. And I want to have more. I don't want to sacrifice. I now know what the limits of my sacrifice are. And it was terrible that that's what it took to get that way. And I hope that the listeners today now have, you know, a seed planted in where they're going to go back and really reevaluate what is, what is it that you're sacrificing? And is it worth it? Are you okay with sacrificing this? Because every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. And so is the things you're saying no to really less important than what you're saying yes to. And so fast forward, I'm this nurse exec in the middle of pandemic and I go almost like 56 days straight working. And my son, you know, I really only saw my kids when they were sleeping at this point. And my son's phone starts going off at like midnight. He's 10 years old and he's asleep. And so I grab his phone and I'm like, well, who the hell's texting my kid at 10, you know, at midnight. And it was TikTok. And I realized they were applying to a post that he put that said, I'm going to hang myself. And I didn't realize again, like I hadn't learned my lesson that my kid, you know, had been pulled away from his school, pulled away from his friends is now at home by himself, right. When my other kids there, but he's literally by himself because my husband and I are both in healthcare. And I was like, okay, enough is enough. I made the mistake once I'm not losing another child. I'm not going to continue down this pathway. The world needs more of who I am. And they can't do that. If I am constantly, you know, not giving to what is important to me and, it was at that point that I said, okay, it's time for me to take that risk. And I told my husband, Hey, like we may end up homeless, but it is not going to be the first time. Like I've been in foster care. We've lived that life. And I made the, the plunge in entrepreneurship and left my job as a nurse executive. And it has been the best decision of my life. I've lost weight. My kids are, their mental health is in a better place. We are spending time together. I don't miss anything. I'm coaching soccer. I mean, it has literally been the best And at the same time, I'm now reaching out and I'm my reach now with my podcast and with the work that I'm doing is international. I have nurses from Brazil, sending me messages in Portuguese that I have no clue what they're saying, but they're coming out and reaching out to me because I'm touching them in a way that's making them provide amazing patient care where they're at. So, I mean, I've moved from helping people in my community to now internationally, there's nurses that are doing great work, finding their best selves. And, you know, in countries, I haven't even speak the language. And that's the beauty of taking risks. That's the beauty of knowing where your boundaries are and what you're going to sacrifice and what you're no longer willing to
0: sacrifice. You know, Chris, listening to you and telling that story and I think it's so important that when you allow yourself to reflect back and everything that you've experienced, you know, it's the power of where you keep going and where you keep reaching and how you make those transitions because I think that the world thinks that success or life for people out in front is it's easy. And it's clear cut and you have your life together. And often life is messy and it's hard. And as nurses, to your point, we're always asked to give more and do less for ourselves. And it's never about us. It's always about the patient. And usually who does we find in those moments. It's it's always less time with our family to be in and care for patients. And, and when is that breaking point? And I think you've lived such traumatic experience of those breaking points that today, you know, how are you doing it differently? I mean, you said you quitted it and you've done those things and you said, I I am now reaching more people than before. And I think to your point, big risks mean potential big rewards, but they are big risks and it's it's hard. So what makes what you're doing different externally to what you were doing internally? And I, because I, I think that that is something that people or nurses and other execs in healthcare are listening to and thinking to themselves Where is that transition? And when does different external to the life that I was living make sense for me? So I think it's really that,
1: you know, if you're a nursing leader or any type of leader, you know, we work off strategic plans, right? All organizations have a strategic plan. Everybody has a strategic plan. And there's a reason for that. It's because if you know where you're going, you're going to get there. And if you don't know where you're going, you're going to get there. And so I think what you need to do in terms of your own personal life is really take stock of where it is that you want to go. Now, I had come upon a book called Will It Fly? It was written by Pat Flynn around the time that I was thinking about transitioning. Like I didn't know I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I just knew I wanted more. I didn't know what that meant. And entrepreneur life is not for everybody. So don't think that that's the solution. It is for some people, and it's not for some people. But in that book, I really learned to look about you know 1 to 5 years from now and write down if i had somebody come down with this magic wand and just say chris we're going to give you anything you want if you could be a millionaire you could you literally you could do whatever you could be president of wherever you want to be the queen of England. If you'd like to be, what would you want? What would your life look like? And really get granular about like, what would it look like? And my life was like, literally, I am going to go to every PTA meeting. I'm going to coach soccer. I'm going to have sex with my husband regularly. Cause we actually see each other. Like it was literally like that granular. And then we went down into You know, I looked at like financially, what would that look like? Well, it would look like I, you know, am running a center for foster kids because I was a former foster kid. That's going to help them prepare for life. I am donating $50,000 a month, a month to the American foundation for suicide prevention. Like these are my biggest goals, biggest dreams. Right. And what I did was I took that and I looked at my Chris's life strategic plan is what I am doing today, going to get me to where I want to be in the next year to five years. And When I looked at my life as a nurse executive, I was not going to make enough money to be donating $50,000 a year. I was not going to be able to just take off whenever I wanted to and have PTA meetings. I was not going to be leaving early and coaching a three-year-old and their soccer. It just didn't match where I wanted to go. And I realized, okay, I need to make some shifts. So I have this form written out of what I want to do. And I always tell people fold that sucker up into a little airplane, a paper airplane, because that is your ticket to where you're going to be in the next couple of, you know, years or whatever. And, you know, just so happens I was getting ready to give this keynote around this exercise. And I was like, let me look at my paper. Like, I wonder what, and so this is, I wrote this paper. I think it was uh, like November of 2019, I think something around there. And it was like a five-year goal, my five-year strategic plan. Let me tell you, Rebecca, I crossed off 90% of it in the last year,
0: Amazing.
1: 90% of the thing. And it's literally because when an opportunity comes up and presents itself, I ask myself, is this going to get me to where I want to go? And if the answer is no, it's no. So, I mean, I think that's step one, step two is know where your risks are. And you're not going to know them if you don't take, you know, I recommend taking like a four hour period, like at least once a month where you don't schedule anything, you take some time off and you just sit and reflect on where I'm at and where am I going? And it's really going to help you determine like, what is the absolute minimum that you're willing to sacrifice? And what's the absolute maximum that you're willing to sacrifice? And for me, I was actually willing to sacrifice my house because I figured we're not going to be homeless. Like we have family, we have whoever we need that, you know, in an interim period we could live with if I needed to, because I know, and I believe in my dream about making others be their best. Like I know if I continue to put my focus on that, not my focus on becoming a millionaire, not a focus on, you know, myself, but a focus on others that it's going to grow. What I'm going to do is going to grow. And it's done that. So I think really just take stock of where your limits are. Like, what are you willing to sacrifice? And don't let that boundary be encroached on people will approach on it. Like, you know, you're going to plan your four hour time to be by yourself. But what if somebody's like, Oh, well, if you could just do it. No, no, yeah, I, I cannot. And I'm telling you, no, because if I say yes to you, that means I'm saying no to something that's more important.
0: You know, Chris, you know, I think that when you say, when you keep your dreams alive and focus on others, not exactly on those numbers, I think that is exactly that power. And I think when you're talking about the nursing profession, that's something that is fundamental that I think is just ingrained in us. And I always say nurses are natural innovators. They're the best entrepreneurs because when they come up with a solution, it's not for themselves. It's not like I'm going to make a million dollars with this widget. It's because, hey, healthcare wasn't working for me and the devices that I had in front of me kept killing patients. So I had to come up with this device because it's making it better. And what you're saying is that exact thing. Like I'm doing this because I know that I can help others be more successful to translate the future of health and healthcare to be more successful if I can spend more time with them. And I think that's so, so powerful. And I think that, you know, give us an example in your career that perhaps if all these healthcare leaders that are listening to this podcast are hearing and saying, you know, I never really engaged with nurses. I never really had one on my team. And, you know, if they're thinking to themselves after listening to you, like, okay, nurses have some power here. And we have a nurse that definitely has transformed her organization. She moved quickly. She's lived life experience. She's going out and she's empowering more. But what should others know about nurses and perhaps an example of the strength of nursing that if you're a healthcare executive listening to this podcast today, thinking to themselves, you know, I, I probably need to be considering nurses either in my product development or in my team. What do you think they need to know? So I am going to answer that question.
1: Before I answer that question, I want to piggyback on the last discussion or the last topic that we just talked about, because yes, we talked about pouring into others, always giving to others, keeping an eye on that but there's a secret sauce to doing that. And so I want people to know that the secret sauce for you to be able to go and continue to pour into others is the first person that you have to pour into is yourself.
0: Absolutely.
1: So I could not have done anything for any other person until I took care of myself. And I think as healthcare leaders, you know, there's a, even a book that says leaders eat last. Bullshit. They do not eat <laughs> last. If you eat last, you are going to have be withered down into nothing and you're not going to be able to give your best to others. So just wanted to put that caveat. Yes. Porn to others. Yes. We give to others, but you need to put yourself first on that table and first on that list, because once you do that's when you can truly give your best and show up your best to your family, your loved ones, and to whatever work it is that you're doing. So that's that. And then in terms of nursing and being, you know, at the table or being on your team or 90% of healthcare in the world is provided by a nurse. Absolutely. Right. So 90%, would you, would you, go to a dentist that's organization was ran by an insect killer, by somebody who goes and, you know, treats termites at your house? No. Would you go to, you know, a pet cleaner and get your pet groomed by somebody whose experience was in business? So if we wouldn't trust our pet grooming with somebody who only had experience in business, why would we trust our lives? The very most important thing, the very most important resource on the planet, why would we trust that? with somebody who doesn't know our business. People go to hospitals for nursing care. Period. They go there for nursing care. That's what you're admitted for. You're admitted for 24 hour a day nursing care. That's it. I totally believe in interdisciplinary health teams. Everybody is needed on there. I'm not trying to minimize everybody else's role, but the reality is, is that people go into hospitals for nursing care. Like that's just the difference between you being
0: an inpatient and outpatient. And there was a big study that was just done and showing that, that that's why if you're going to be admitted, it means you can't care for yourself and you need a nurse around the clock to be able to manage that and keep you alive so that eventually we can discharge you from the hospital. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: like, think about it. Let's just pretend we do pull nurses out. Physicians could totally do that role. We don't have enough of them. And so if a physician's writing an order to put in an IV, but there's nobody there to put that IV and hang that medication and watch those pressures. That's a problem, right? So, I mean, and like I said, I am not devaluating any profession whatsoever. We are all 100% needed, but we all have a role in what it is that we do, right? We wouldn't be able to have ambulatory care if it was not physicians, right? So it's just, that's our role. We have a certain role in healthcare. And, you know, I it's interesting because companies come to me and ask about solutions, right? As a nurse executive, they come to me and they bring me the solutions. And I tell them, I don't have that problem. <laughs> if you're solving something for a problem, I don't have. I don't know where you saw that problem, but it's not a problem that I have. And it's not a problem that any of the nurse executives I know that have. And so, you know, when it comes to really bringing nursing into the table, it's foolish to not do that. It's foolish to have nurses not leading a nursing center, which is a hospital. It's just foolish to not have nurses at that head of the table because it's just like having somebody groom your dog who knows nothing about dog grooming. You're going to have poor outcomes. I think that's true when it comes to like leading the organization as well. Right. So there was a study that came out several years ago that lo- asked nurse executives, where are your priorities? Tell me your strategic plan. Where are your priorities? Right. And so they're putting safety and patient experience and all, you know, quality. And guess what they had on like number 15 on the list, <laughs> research, experience, innovation, newsflash, if you focus on research, evidence-based and innovation, everything else, finance, quality, patients, it will take care of itself. We have to put our money where our mouth is. And we have to allow frontline to be really kind of driving a lot of this work. And so, you know, I think it's important not only for non nurses to make sure that nurses are involved in their companies involved in, you know, especially, especially if we are trying to develop a health related product. Nurses can really drive and tell you what those problems are and they can tell you if it's going to work or not, because a lot of times on the surface, it looks like it's something that works. And then when it comes to to it, the nurses are going to be like, no, I don't like that. I'm just going to duct tape something else. And then that's how it's going to work when we're in person. So, you know, it's important for non-nurses, but it's also really important for nurse leaders to bring your people who are doing the work to the forefront our job is not to know everything as a nurse executive. I didn't know how to play with, ICU, you know, the ICU equipment, I, that was not my job, but my job was to make sure that those that did were involved in the purchasing of the equipment that those that did were involved in the purchasing of staffing.
0: And, you know, we really don't do that enough in healthcare. No, and I love what you're saying there. I mean, the the truth is, is so much has rolled out in healthcare that makes more work for the nurse, that solves problems that don't exist, that if you really want to fix healthcare, you should be engaging with those nurses so that the next time your company goes and tries to sell a nurse executive, they look at you and they say, well, you know, I'm sorry, that's not the problem we needed. And the simple answer is why, is go and speak to the nurse.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, when you're hiring, just for everybody who's listening and who's going to hire a nursing leader, one of the questions you need to ask is, Tell me about a time that you involved your frontline staff in solutioning. What were the outcomes? What did it look like? And if they don't have a response for you, that's not an executive, a nurse leader, a director, a manager. It's not a nurse leader you want on your team. Exactly.
0: And I love that you're saying that because the truth is, is that power, that knowledge, that expertise is so deep and so inherent and intrinsic in what we do that you're going to be blown away by those experiences that you do when you engage with them. And so Chris, you know, you already talked about a number of setbacks in life that you seemed to hold on to that for many of us could have potentially crippled movement forward. Can you talk about one of those key setbacks and how you reframed why and how, I think that the big question is, is how did you reframe that setback to something to transition into something greater? Because I, I think every time I hear your story, I know that it leaves me with a feeling that there are people in this world that are meant to be here and that the things that they experience are around them in ways that seem to transcend the ability to transcend and you constantly do. And so how do you do that? How do you take those setbacks and and reframe them? So, I mean, I think the biggest setback obviously was losing my daughter that, I mean, there's nothing that compares, not
1: even, you know, and it was interesting or maybe not interesting, but I lost my daughter. And then three months later, I lost my grandma. And then several months after that, my biological mom passed away. And so it was a lot of loss early on. And I've got to tell you, it did a number on my mental health. I actually had a plan to take my own life after I lost my daughter. I literally went out. I bought the same stuff my daughter used to take her life and I had a plan to do it. And as I was getting ready to put the stuff on, I felt my baby kick because I was pregnant with my daughter, um, my three-year-old. And so I lost, my, I lost my daughter Harmony when I was um, four months pregnant. And it reminded me that although I lost Harmony's life, there was still life inside of me, literally and figuratively, but I, there was still life left in me. And I think for me, it was really focusing on the bigger picture as, you know, I had a lot of people come up to me and say, I couldn't have done this if I were you. I don't know how you got through this. And the reality is I didn't have a choice. There was no choice. You just, you're, you don't lose a child. You don't lose, you know, a person in your life and then have a choice to continue going on or not. You just go on and it's then up to you to decide whether you want to make meaning out of your loss or whether you want to let it destroy you. And I think it just went back to my core of always wanting to help others. At that point, I just didn't want, I realized, you know, when People die of suicide. You think that the pain ends, but it actually doesn't. It multiplies, and then it goes on to every single person that loved that person that died of suicide. So you think that you know when you take going to take your life, that's it. Your pain pain's going to end, but you actually are now amplifying it and then spreading it. And I didn't want the rest of my family to have to feel that, and I didn't want other parents to have to stand up at a podium and not have a speech because they missed out on their child's life or, you know, really have these reflections on what if, what if I could have saved them? So I think the biggest piece is as you're going through your trials and tribulations, we're all going to have them. Number one, it's important to not compare just because I lost a daughter. Doesn't mean I had a nurse come up to me one time and she's like, you know, I lost my dog and it's just destroyed my life. And I, I know I can't compare it to a child. And I told her, Why are you comparing it then? If you if you know you can't, why are you? It's not different. It's your level of pain is no less than mine because yours was a dog and mine was. It's just not. We can't compare our grief to one another. But what we can do is make sure that we seek some type of meaning out of it. And what you'll find is when you go through these hard times, homelessness, maybe drug addiction, whatever it is that you're struggling with or that you've been able to overcome, you'll find meaning by giving out to others. So you'll begin to heal and experience decreases in your level of grief. If you begin to kind of do that patchwork around helping others not have to go through your, you know, whatever problem you want in. And that's why I think you see so many people that have faced immense adversity, just go on to be these huge change makers. And it really is because that they've learned that the trick is, To not hold it in, not to avoid it, not to not talk about it, not to, you know, avoid it with all of their passion. Those are the people that end up really destroying who they are as a human, but they instead channel all of that pain, all of that sadness, all of that stress, they channel into ensuring that others don't live in those shoes. And it looks different. That doesn't mean you have to go out and become like, in my case, I don't need to go out and save the world of suicide. And I don't need to do those things. Having a conversation with one parent that has a kid that's struggling, that's enough that is using what I've learned and that's enough to help you repair your own soul. So it's really a choice. Like it's not number one, it's not a choice to live through those things, but it is a choice what you do after you can choose to hold it in and not do anything with it. Or you can choose to, you know, make moves. And that might include therapy for me. It was a lot of therapy. It included a lot of talking to others, holding it in was not the way to do it, but always just focusing on like, you know, what can I change? What can I leave different? What do I want people to say about me? when it's my turn to go. Because
0: what you say is so powerful and the choices we make in life and the energy that comes in and out and how you keep moving it forward is just impactful in ways that I think when the audience hears this, that I think if it does anything, it should instill with them that through even the darkest of moments, it is a choice to see how you come out of those and that a lot of good still can be ahead. And I think, you know, as we're coming sort of to the end of our time, what based on this conversation and everything going on in the world of healthcare, you know, what gets you excited about today and the future of healthcare and everything that you're doing? Like what, where should we leave everybody with thoughts of what is coming that gives everybody hope?
1: You know, what gets me excited today really is the newfound focus on mental health and this is beyond my daughter this is much much beyond my daughter but the reason I say that is because you know I was talking to a nurse actually today earlier today and she was telling me you know when I was going through nursing and you know, this is like in the 80s she's like it was actually rude to let people know that you're interested in a leadership position she said you know it was you just didn't did that do that it was like really rude to raise your hand and say hey I want to be tapped on and so I mean can you imagine all the potential that we lost in the 80s oh, and the gosh. 90s because that was rude that was a rude thing. <laughs> So what I say by mental health is, and like I said earlier, when you take care of yourself, you become the best version of yourself, of yourself and then you can give the best version of yourself to others. And I, I see that with this newfound focus on mental health, you know, we're going to be able to change things like diabetes rates and obesity. Those are, if we don't treat that, there's like almost always a mental health component to it, whatever it is, whether it's a self-limiting belief, whether it's, it doesn't it doesn't have to necessarily be a diagnosis, but there's a mental component to it. And so by addressing that, we're going to naturally see some of these things that we've been tackling with medication and, you know, by pouring more money into it, we're going to see them begin to be prevented. And so I'm really excited to see how people are beginning to really take charge of their own mental health and how, because they're now the best versions of themselves, they're going out and they are changing all kinds of things. So, I mean, I'm excited that there's now a new focus on that. I'm excited that nurses are finally seeing that there's more than the bedside and the more than the bedside is not ambulatory where you go to die. That's when I went into ambulatory, they were like, Oh, you came here to die. Like, what the hell does that mean? No, I didn't come to ambulatory to die. I came to ambulatory to prevent because I didn't want to see my patients in the hospital. Right. So, but they're seeing now like, Hey, I can use my nursing skills and become a lawyer. I can use my nursing skills and go on to develop some cool tech. I can use my nursing skills and own a business. I can use my nursing skills and create a community kitchen. Like it is beyond belief what nurses are doing nowadays. And it's because they're beginning to open their eyes. Like I feel like our, all of the clouds of, Oh, you're just a nurse are beginning to kind of come off and wait. And so I'm just excited to see what nurses are doing. I'm excited to see the first United States president. That's a nurse because I, I know it's on its way <laughs> and I can see how transformative that's going to be. So, I mean, there's just so much to be excited about, but I think the first step is that we're finally taking care of ourselves and we're saying enough is enough and that we're not going to tolerate being used and abused anymore because
0: it's not good for anybody. You know what, I love your view that the world is limitless. And I think to your point, the world is changing for nurses and for decades and generations of all those that came before us, which saw traditional paths, nurses like you are changing those paths and it's only going to lead to better outcomes for all of patients, for all of our profession and in all honesty for humanity in general. So everyone, Chris, where can people find you? Where can they find you on social? How can they get in contact with you? Because I know many are going to want to after hearing you.
1: Absolutely. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Chris Racino, C-H-R-I-S-R-E-C-I-N-O-S, or you can check out Nurse Leader Network. So it's www.nurseleadernetwork.com. We have, you know, tons of information, tons of things are going on. And if you're interested in the mental health app, Hello Harmony on Instagram, we just launched the Instagram and we'll be, you know, showing our journey in terms of how we're building the app and how others can learn to build or can utilize the app.
0: So looking forward to meeting everybody. Absolutely. Brilliant, Chris. I am so excited to see where your career goes and where Haloma Harmony goes and every all these lives that you touch. Because if we have more nurses like you in the world, I know that there's endless possibilities for our profession. So everyone, thank you for tuning in. This is Rebecca Love with Outcomes Rocket Nursing. Look forward to tuning you in to future guests and learning more about the incredible nurses around the world who are transforming the future of human health. Thank you so much for being here, Chris.